and welcome to the Leading the Line Scottish Women's Football Podcast. Um, this is <laughs> this is take two because I hit record. I'm, I'm adamant I hit record here, Campbell. Campbell, finally joining joining me as always. I'm adamant I hit record, but then we've got to the end and it's not recorded, and we've tried it again, and I've had to get Campbell to do it. But Campbell, thank you for hitting record, and thank you for like, doing this around the second time. Hopefully, this will be really good then. I mean, no, no promises. The last one was pretty perfect, so you're going to blame for that. But yeah, we'll try our best for take two. Yeah, I mean, the first recording was was epic. So it was the best one we've ever done. But um, yeah, so on this one, uh, this podcast that we're now actually recording for definite, we've double-checked it, um, we're going to talk through the weekend results. Uh, we're going to talk about the Women's Champions League. Obviously, Glasgow City have been handed a draw. Uh, we're going to maybe talk about that competition in general. And then we're going to briefly touch on the national side with the training camp and the youth side. But let's let's get straight into it, Campbell, because um, we've done this already. <laughs> and I was at Petersell Park on Sunday. Uh, let's start in uh, SWPL1. And the first game of that uh, day for me was Glasgow City 8, Stirling University 1. Not tons to talk about, to be perfectly honest with you, Campbell. It was, a, it was a pretty straightforward win for Glasgow City. They took an early lead. And Kirsty Howard getting her 50th goal. She would then go on to score four in the game and the B-doubles from Rachel McLaughlin and Carly Gerasoli. Um, it was quite amusing watching, not amusing, but <laughs> Kirsty Howard seemed to have numerous chances to get a hatch and she just couldn't get couldn't get that one over the line she did and also there's a lot of celebrations but credit Stirling University they did keep going and they did get a goal right right towards the death Claire Pearson to get a consolation but 8-1 win for Glasgow City I think everybody would be expecting a win for that game for Glasgow City Campbell um, two wins away from securing the title it's just a matter of time now you would have thought even if it's not in these next two games Yeah I mean City obviously the best team there they've beaten Hibs in the two games even the nearest challengers and Again, another comfort win for them on Sunday, and it's just, it just it's a matter of time now. It seems to be mothered around a couple of weeks, just a, a lightly uh, destination for a uh, venue, sorry, for when they actually confirm title number 13 in a row. Yeah, it, it certainly looks like that. Um, so we won't dwell on this game too much, but maybe the, the thing that's still in university we'll look, at, look to now after after that result is our forthcoming fixtures uh, up against Spartans and four for Farmington. Uh, Spartans is our game after the international break on the 20th and then the big game against 4 for Farmington which has been selected for BBC Alba so a bit of Friday night football which I'm a big fan of uh, at View. they'll look to the Spartans game as a way of getting result but Spartans will obviously be favourites for that one Campbell uh, and then obviously the big game against 4 for Farmington that one will I think for Southern University probably must win Yeah I mean obviously 4 for a, the team ahead of them in the league the only team they really can catch so um, yeah it's, it's a huge game Obviously, we say they'll look at Spartans as being possibly a chance for them to get wins. Spartans have sort of been a bit underwhelming, but as we know, when they're underwhelming, they then suddenly turn up and go win a game. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that fourth game on Friday in a few weeks is certainly going to be the game that probably defines um, who goes down and who remains in the top flight. But it's, it's going to be a huge game and hopefully you get a good crowd there as well as, of course, on the TV um, and BBC Alba. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's actually a game between Hibernian and Forfar Farmington on 8th of October that's been squeezed in. Uh, I think it's uh, one of the games that are kind of part of the backlog that Hibs are working through after the European stuff. So there's a chance that come that game, Forfar might have got results against Hibernian, you never know. Um, or the goal difference between the two sides, which is six in favour of Forfar, might be that little bit closer. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, and Forfar, they had a, an alright result on the weekend. I mean, as alright as a defeat can be, they were playing Rangers down at the Hummel. Uh, Rose McClellan gave Rangers an early lead to scoring again, uh, 15 years old, a uh, big talent for the future, I think, from what I've seen of her. But Forfra Farmington had their own 15-year-old getting the score sheet, and uh, Maria McSherry, 
But um, I named a Brownlee free kick nine minutes from time, uh, put Rangers 2-1 up. And then uh, Claire Gemmell had a penalty save. So uh, finished 2-1 Rangers. Not a lot for Rangers to take from that. Obviously, just good to keep momentum going, going into the Scottish Cup semi-finals. But for far, we've talked a couple of times about their, their approach. And they, if everyone played it secure, I think they, they, they've been aiming to kind of keep keep games tight and hopefully hope to, to progress in the, on the back of that and maybe get a goal on the counter or, or try and get a goal against the run of play. Looks like it nearly worked against Rangers on Sunday and I'll be interested to see if it, they use that approach against Southern University when that game comes around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the worst result we'll have, but um, I obviously the other side that are ahead in the league standings, so they don't really have as much pressure on them. Uh, as Stirling Uni do sorry to go and attack that game so whether they do set off I think they might again it would be a, you'd imagine it would be a fairly tense game possibly similar to their game with Motherwell that was on Alpha a couple of weeks ago as well but um, I first for the team that so they don't have to go for it you would imagine that Stirling will but both teams will be possibly pretty nervy as well and not really want to go obviously and lose goals so it's a crucial game um, at the bottom of the table but it's one that really, really could go either way. Yeah, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about it in a bit more depth closer to the time. But um, the other, well, let's move on to the next game, which was Motherwell nil Hibernian 2, which is a preview of one of the Scottish Cup semi-finals on the 13th of October. Um, Fourth Bank Stadium, tickets are £5. Keep a wee year out for a competition. Um, Colette Cavanagh double, she'd been kind of taking out the team for a little bit. I think she's maybe just been playing a lot of games, uh, but come back in and scored a couple of goals. She's had a pretty profitable season, Campbell. And I think it's quite good as well to see that this game is a little bit closer than the other games have been so far this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Colette's not one of not one of the players that was always one of the big names at Hibs, but she's certainly made an impact. Every game she's played then seems to just be scoring absolute worldies. She's got a couple, obviously, um, in the Champions League and in the Scottish Cup as well. So that's good to see. Uh, in terms of the game being closer, obviously, Motherwell lost heavily to a changed Hibs side um, in the Scottish Cup final last year, but as well as they have there in the league. But to keep that game fairly close at the Avon was good and just hope that they'll be able to do that again um, when they face each other at Fourth Bank in a couple of weeks. Obviously, Hibs and Glasgow City is probably the final most what we'd want to see. But if Motherwell and Rangers can cause an upset, then it's, it'd be great as well for the game and hopefully they can put on a good show in both games when it comes to that time. Yeah, I mean, Rangers obviously only lost 2-0 to Glasgow City recently as well, so... Yeah, I mean, I think we all go to Fourth Bank, uh, hopeful of some close games. So, be really interested to hear they pan out. The uh, the other game of the weekend didn't actually get finished. Campbell with Spartans now Celtic now at half time, but the game was abandoned due to an injury to Rona Douglas. Now, thankfully, tweets went out after the game to say that she's she's doing okay. It's, it's not too serious by sounds of things, that she will be out for a period of time. But this is the second time that this has happened in not too recent uh, past. Obviously, Ailey Tebbit. Um, had to well had to be stretched out the the stadium at Rugby Park when when they were uh, playing Hamilton. Um, I saw an article. Sorry, Patrick Dissel, thanks for correcting me, Campbell. Um, Patrick Dissel. Um, I saw That's an article. Twice you've done that. I know I've said. Well, twice we've recorded this, and twice I've said Hamilton said the Patrick Dissel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I read an article in BBC Sport where they were speaking to SWF about it, and they were saying they were going to get back in contact with the clubs. But then I saw a couple of comments on the back of that article and I could kind of understand the point from like a somebody who maybe doesn't go to the games week in, week out, where the question that was asked was, why why would they not just make a substitute and carry on with the game? Now, obviously, uh, player safety is paramount in that regard, 
And if, a, if an injury sustains is severe, then that should be taken care of appropriately. But in terms of an onlooker, I, I can understand why that question's maybe come about, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, obviously Daily Tebbit one, it's a head injury, obviously, should be concussion and things like that. So it's one that you do need to be wary about. But um, obviously, Ronald Douglas, yes, she must, of course, she was injured. But uh, it wasn't from going from Spartans' tweets and things, it wasn't a massively serious injury come the end, no broken limbs or anything like that. So you can see why some people would be disappointed that the game wasn't finished, especially with it being still level in the second half. It's, I mean, obviously, as you're saying, the safety is the main aspect there. But it's disappointing for City if they haven't to go back to the end during the midweek and certain players might not make it with working on their commitment. So for that matter, yes, you could say, again, obviously it's a head knock, it's an injury, sorry, that's the main focus. But if it wasn't as serious as it was first feared, then perhaps the game could have been played on, but ultimately it's the referee's decision. And it's obviously been decided that the game had to be stopped and that's the way it was. So just have to go on with it at the minute, but whether that changes in the future, we just need to wait and see. Yeah, I think the fact there's been two incidents quite close together as well has probably magnified it a little bit. But it's definitely something that hopefully we see less of because well, obviously we don't want to see players getting severe injuries, first of all. Um, but in terms of how we make women's football the same, not not the same in terms of the same as men's, but the, the, the fundamentals of getting the game started, A to B, start, finish, hopefully all that as, as the game goes gets better. So yeah, Best wishes to Ron. Hopefully she recovers really well. And as Campbell says, that game will, will probably be rearranged. Um, let's let's get straight into SWPL2. Um, you're up in Dundee at the disc for Dundee United against Hearts. So I'm going to hand it over to you and you can talk us through that one. Yeah, um, I was up there with Stuart Mitchell, another good friend of the podcast. And it was a pretty strange afternoon, to be honest, in Dundee. Um, Hearts started well with a couple of chances early on and then took the lead from the penalty spot, a handball in the box from Rebecca McMillan, and Danny Pagliarulo stepped up to send AJ Meach the wrong way, uh, put Hearts one nothing up, and then a second penalty um, in the second half, or a foul, a silly foul, really, from Aaron Ross, and again, uh, Danny came up, Danny Pagliarulo scored to make it 2-0. Um, United then began to have a few chances from a, a, a strange period of play, really. Um, Danny McGinley was down in the United box with what appeared to be a head knock, the game played on, uh, the referee sort of frustrated perhaps by repeat, uh, repeatedly, a uh, repeated request sorry, to uh, stop the game, decided instead just to scream to everyone that it was not a head knock, so it was played on. Um, some of the Harps fans in, in the crowd at the disc gave it to the referee who, rather than ignoring them, decided to retaliate and start having a go at folk in the crowd. Probably not the best thing to do there. Um, he then disappeared off to the side to, th- uh, to talk to the far side linesman before coming back on, calling over Murray and Cunningham and producing a straight red, sort of to the amusement of everyone, really. Um, Hartsfield back cleared Dale with had a throw-in over on the near side and was sort of just basically asking the crowd as well what happened. No one really knew. None of the players appeared to know. Both managers as well, speaking to them after the game, seemed totally clueless as to what had happened. I think it was, in the end, a bit of an innocuous swearing, but it was very harsh. It wasn't directed really at anyone in particular, straight away or harshly. So it was it was a real strange one, strange period of play. But um, yeah, United had a couple of chances. Isabella Rosalina came on to make her debut and really should have scored that, like, on the end of a great uh, Philly McAllen pass. And she also set up Jade McLaren, who couldn't finish either. But in the end, it was a deserved win for Hearts, but it was an entertaining, if a bit odd, um, of an afternoon up in Dundee. 
I don't know, sometimes entertaining and odd is a good mix. Um, but you, you mentioned Isabel Rosalina and um, uh, Graham Hart, uh, Dundee United assistant, um, also coaches at St Andrews Uni. Uh, he would be very upset if we didn't mention the fact that, first of all, Forfra West End beat me 4-2 in the Scott George Junior Cup Campbell. So sorry about that. But um, I think he was mentioning the fact that he had some high hopes for a couple of these players. And this, she was definitely one of them. And it sounds like she made a really good impression both there. And I know that you went to watch St Andrews uh, during the week as well. Yeah, Graham, as we know, is very enthusiastic. Uh, he invited Peter across. You obviously didn't make it. But yeah, watching the St Andrews University side, they're, they're all American, barring one. Scott, who wasn't there. So hearing all the American language then with Graham, sort of a mix of Glaswegian and Forfer, sort of you know, Angus accent, is always a bit different. But um, yes, they won 5-1. Rosalina plays go to Hattrick there and really looked pretty dangerous uh, for St Andrews Uni. Um, Carolyn Nachman, who's the United, the United Club goalkeeper, uh, and Daniel Gallagher, the Glasgow girls left back, were both playing as well uh, for different university sides. But yeah, Rosalina made a real impact when she came on eh, for United on Sunday. It's Neve Guthrie, obviously, we know she was in the team of the season so far at the halfway stage, and she knows where the net is, but when she's a very, very small girl, when she's playing up against the likes of Danny Pagliaro, you know, simply a lot bigger and more experienced at the back, it is tough. But Isabella Rosalina came on and really, really did make a difference here and was causing problems. Didn't take her chance, but watching her in the, in the university game as well, she'll certainly be a player that could be crucial for United possibly not for the rest of this season obviously there's not too much for them to play for but going into next season as well and as we say Graham's got high hopes for a few of them so it'll be good to see how United go on if they can make some more additions as well Yeah and I think it's worth pointing out that the university scene is a good, a good way to watch some SWPL talent during the off season because a lot of the, the girls that are playing they, they are students so, and they will play for other sides as, as Campbell's already mentioned so just keep a wee eye out on that but back, back to league action obviously that hearts win means they maintain the lead at the top and it meant that Hamilton had to get a good result against Glasgow Girls at PSL Park in my second game of the day um, and they did that uh, they, they secured a 5-0 win pretty comfortable Hamilton played very well and I think it was just one of those days for Glasgow Girls they didn't didn't really get in, get a foothold in the game uh, Hamilton scored really early on a Megan Quinn cross that Tony Harkness couldn't quite get get her fingertips on properly and it kind of dropped into the net and then Chloe Muir scored a second within 12 minutes, a really good finish. And she's a player that I think I've talked about before. I think it's got a bright future. Um, but fair play to Tony Hartness, but she bounced back. She um, was on a bit of a one on one battle with uh, MT McGuinness. And she came out and taught maybe four times in a row. And uh, even so, MT actually moved out to the wing. But in the second half, Glasgow Girls came out a little bit better. But then they conceded a free kick on the edge of the area. Nick Sturrock put that away before late goals from Ellie Kane and Tegan McCann. So a good result for Hamilton that one. Um, as I said, just it just isn't when it wasn't Glasgow Girls Day that day. But they have got results against other teams in the past, and I'm sure they will do again in the future. But big result for Hamilton Campbell. Um, Partick Thistle also won 11-1 against Hutchinson Vale. Um, I know that the teams are close, but it feels to me that Partick Thistle and Hamilton, Hamilton probably closer than Hearts, are the two that are really going to challenge Hearts in terms of this this final spot. But probably. And we've said that a few times now. Realistically, it's now maybe boiling down to these last two as game starts to run out. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Thistle were right in amongst it and then lost to Glasgow Girls a couple of weeks ago and that sort of dropped them, it dropped them down a wee bit. It's, realistically, it's between Hearts and Hamilton. Neither has been consistent enough over the season to run away with it. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Hearts drop points and Aki's perhaps come up again. It's obviously three points between them just now, but it has been tight for the season. Um, 
official can go on a run and win half of at least, at least or even all of their games, then perhaps they can go and challenge further up at the top again. But I think it's going to be a two-horse race. Hamilton, the heart story, have the advantage. They've got probably the more experienced squad as well, but Aki's are certainly right in amongst it there, and it wouldn't, it's going to, wouldn't surprise me sorry, to see it go down to the wire. Yeah, it's as, as much about Hamilton and, as we say, about this one getting results as it is Hearts slipping at this stage. So I think there's definitely lots to play for. Um, probably the other team that certainly feel like they're in the race anytime we speak to them is, is FC Kilmarnock. Um, disappointing result for them, though, on Sunday. They lost 2-1 to St. Johnson. Second one in the bounce for St. Johnson after seven without one, which is... I'm quite pleased to see because I think we've talked about how they put in good performances. Um, they took the lead through an Ellie May Kerry header after five minutes. Uh, Rebecca got equalised after 14, and then there was a Rachel Todd penalty after 19. So goals were wrapped up after 20 minutes. Um, Amy Doherty got sent for two yellows. The second tackle was it was a yellow card, um, and having already been booked, I think I think I was pretty fair sending off. But uh, a good result for St Johnson, probably disappointing for Kamarnock uh, Campbell because they've also had they beat Dundee United 4-0 last week, and they have. I gave, they have those games in hand, but a loss like that really dents their hopes kind of in terms of catching up with the leader. Yeah, definitely. I mean, pleased as well for St. Johnston, who, as we've said, have played some decent stuff, but losing games by the odd goal here and there, just not scoring enough. But um, yet, two wins the bounce for the Ames. They'll be pleased with that. I just say, Kilmarnock, very disappointed to go from arguably their best performance of the season against Dundee United to then go up to Perth and drop points. It's disappointing for them, but it, it does show that the league is very competitive and anyone can really beat anyone, obviously, Baron Hatchie Vale. So it's good to see St John's picking up points there. Patrick Thistle obviously winning. And it just it just keeps it interesting for the rest of the season, even if a lot of teams, are, they're not going to go down, obviously, with no relegation. And the chance of that's a two-horse race at the top. So, I mean, they can all play just with no pressure on them and hopefully produce some more entertaining games over the final few weeks of the season. Yeah, and I think that that's a great thing about SWPL too is that there is that jeopardy for all the sides in there in terms of getting to the end of the season, especially if you're a Harps or Hamilton or, or Thistle or Kilmarnock or Glasgow Girls or Dundee United or any team that's still mathematically can still go up uh, out of the division. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really good forward. And there's no SWPL action this weekend. Uh, it's international break, which we'll cover a wee bit shortly. But uh, there were some SWFL titles sorted last weekend as well. So I think probably the big one, Campbell, is Aberdeen. Uh, they won SWFL 1 North after drawing two each with Cove Rangers. Um, I think they'll be a pretty good addition to SWPL too, Campbell. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously they've, they've been ahead of uh, Inverness up at the top of the league up north there for the majority of the season. And eventually we've, of course, got across the line here. They've done well in the Scottish Cup as well, going on that run, eventually losing to Rangers. Only by the odd goal as well, having beaten them um, Spartans and Kilmarnock before it. A couple of players as well, and the women on the 19th squad cover later on as well. So it's, it looks positive for Aberdeen. Again, as we mentioned earlier on, with Rachel Corsi and Kim Little, both SWNT players that come from Aberdeen originally. It's great to see that up north as well, the game is flourishing. It's not just in the central belt. And Aberdeen, I'm sure, will be a welcome addition to the 10 team, SWPL2 next season. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Rachel Corsi, Kim Little, it was... They are kind of two standout players for the national side. And there is, let's be honest, Campbell, there is a, a bit of a central bias just because that's where the, the bulk of the talent is and that's where the bulk of the facilities are at the moment. So it's great to see clubs all over the country try and make that make that jump. And I know that Inverness, for example, are doing a similar thing in their neck of the woods as well. So great to see. Um, there was also uh, championship wins for Edinburgh Caledonia, not last week, but the weekend before, and Morton 
who both won their respective SWFL2 titles. But it'll be interesting to see how all those leagues underneath there shape up with obviously the structural changes coming in next season. But yeah, lots of leagues in there. So if you do want to get to a game this weekend, there is some SWFL action on. So go have a look at the Scottish Women's Football website and check them out. But let's let's go from SWFL to Women's Champions League, Campbell. Um, Glasgow City found out who they were being drawn against on Monday lunchtime after defeating Cierto Novo 5-1 in aggregate. You can go back and listen to that pod with myself, Campbell and Stuart, if you like. Um, they were first out the hat and they drew Bronby. And I think Campbell, unofficially, I think they'll be quite happy with that as a tie. Yeah, I mean, obviously we spoke to Scott Booth and Hale Lauder at full time at Peter Hill last Thursday. And again... It's that way where no one really wants to admit that they would like a draw where they've got a chance of winning, or rather than playing the likes of obviously Lyon, Barcelona, Manchester City, for example. So you get Bronby, a team that struggled past Batea in the last round. It's, it's really a pretty good draw for City. And obviously, with their away leg now being moved to Denmark, eh, the first leg sorry, moved to Denmark, and the second leg back at home, City will look at that as a real great chance for them if they can get a good result in the first leg to come back. Big crowd at Peters Hill and hopefully get through at the quarterfinals. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that's an advantage, the fact that the fixtures have now been switched? Uh, the reason for, for you for that being is Bromby didn't have access to the Bromby Stadium. Um, Bromby are, by no means any mugs, uh, have been one of the two teams to only win the, the Danish League in the last 16 seasons, along with Otto Jordan. Um, and they also put out the Swedish Champions Pity in the last round. So, yeah, I think it's a decent draw for City. But yeah, do you, do you think switching the fixtures around so that City now are now playing at home in the second leg, do you think that's an advantage or disadvantage? To me, it's an advantage. I mean, I know a lot of people like the first leg being at home and think they can get a comfortable lead and then take it away and relax slightly more. But I think it probably works out better in that going away, you know, you can get an away goal, keep the score tight, they're coming home, you can get a big crowd in your home leg, you can then force it through for there. So I think if City can go out there, play the football we all know they're capable of, and give Bromby a game, get a good result, then you would fancy them if they do so to come back and win at home. So it's, I think it probably works out in their favour as long as they can get a good result out in Denmark. Yeah, so we'll obviously be at, uh, at the game at PSL Park. Unfortunately, the change of dates added an extra £150 onto the flights, and until somebody wants to pay for those flights for me, then I won't be able to make it over for that one. Uh, there was other Champions League news this week, though, Campbell, in relation to the coefficients for next season. So next season, Scotland go back down to having one place. They are currently now ranked 14th in the coefficient rankings. Uh, two countries that are going to have two places for the first time are the Netherlands and Kazakhstan. Um, Kazakhstan obviously have a, a team that do very well, but they also have a six-team league, uh, and every, every other team in the league aren't very good. Um, I, I'll ask you about that first of all, in terms of obviously disappointing to lose the coefficient, and it's a, a, a cumulative effort over a number of years. But it's a bit of a blow, isn't it, not mean ha- knowing that there's two places up for grabs in the, in the league next season? Yeah, definitely. And obviously in Kazakhstan, it's Kazakhstan are the team at the top all the time. Um, they beat Barcelona, actually, in the first leg. Last year, before getting knocked out, the eventual runners up there. But obviously it's a six-team league, and they're always a team winning it. So it's possibly slightly unfair on the Scottish sides that would obviously be Hibs, you would imagine, who had... a Obviously, they lost the two games, but they got a good crowd in at Eastern Road, scored in both legs against Slavia Prague. So it's disappointing for them that they can't get back into the Champions League next year. But again, it's just obviously the way the coefficient works. Although, speaking to Graham yesterday, it's it's possibly slightly disappointing that they haven't waited until after this year's Champions League to look at the coefficient and then work out who should be in there. Because obviously, Chance of City going further in 
how much of an impact. I don't know the points um, in the coefficient, but it could make a bit more of an impact. So it's disappointing that only City will be in the Champions League next season. But I guess you just have to go on with it, really. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going over this season's points alone, then I think Scotland would be in the coefficient top 12 to get two places next season. But there's a lag on it. It's very similar to how the, the points work in the men's game. So in theory, if nothing changes, and this is going to be my next question to you, we should get two places back at some point in not too, not too distant seasons. But one of the things I've seen doing the rounds is maybe a, an idea behind changing the structure of the Women's Champions League. Um, I was reading an article by Kieran Tavum, who has been on the Leading the Line podcast, one of the very first ones, talking about his book. Um, and I, I, there was two points that he made. I want to get your take on both of them, Campbell. And the first point he made was, do we need to look at introducing group stages? Some of the fixtures are a bit lopsided sometimes in terms of, you know, going into the, who's going to be going through. And the, the idea would be a group stage would then give these games, give teams more competitive games. Um, the second one was that the bigger leagues get more teams into it. Um, what's your take on those two, first of all, and then I'll, I'll chime in. I mean, in terms of the group stage, obviously, as you're saying there, some teams are pretty lopsided results. You know, for example, winning uh, both of their games comfortably. Going into groups, there could end up then being more teams that are likely to lose by heavy score lines, and it may end up again a bit unfair in the groups like that. I think though it could work if they did it sort of similar to the qualifying round, but perhaps had to go through um, Parmi and Slovenia if they had something like that, perhaps with some the teams they're getting through and then making a group stage possibly well obviously we don't really know how it's going to work um, in terms of the teams from the bigger leagues coming in that's similar to the men's sort of situation where you look at the likes of England, Spain, France, Italy getting four teams in and some of these teams finishing fourth then going in and really struggling in the Champions League and you've got the likes of Celtic and the Ajax having to go through a lot of qualifying rounds to get there so I, I don't think that would work out too well either on the women's side of things so, I mean, it's it's always good when you see the likes of Glasgow City and Bronby, even teams from some of the smaller leagues going through and causing problems in the Champions League. But it's it's a tough one, really, to change at the minute. Obviously, we don't think UEFA will. But in two or three years, with the way the women's game's growing um, across the world and did across the World Cup, perhaps it might in a few years. But for now, you can't really see the format changing beyond the last 32 stage. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen for next season because they've already dished out the, the coefficient places. But uh, my my concern with that piece in The Athletic, and as I said, it's, it's a good read, so if you're interested in women's football, go read it if you have access to The Athletic. Um, uh, my concern is the idea of bringing in bigger teams. We've seen it in the men's game. We are now in a position where we have the Vanarama UEFA Conference League in the men's side, and I would take to get in a situation where Scottish teams like Glasgow City, like, well... We obviously know things are changing at Rangers and Celtic and obviously Hibs are always up there as well. Um, playing in those competitions and not at the top end. I think there's stuff to learn for the men's game, but I also think there's things to learn that you shouldn't be doing. And I, I don't know. I, I can understand the, the appeal of getting the bigger teams in, but I also think you just go down a dangerous path. And looking at it from a Scottish perspective, I, I would have concerns about that. But that's a, a future us problem, Campbell, because it's not going to happen at the moment. But certainly something to keep your eye on. I was going to write about it this week, but this week's been a bit all over the shop. Um, we're recording on a different night from usual, for example. Um, but yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, as I mentioned, start of the podcast, uh, oh, towards the middle of the podcast, actually, not the start. Uh, there is no SWPL action this week. It's because it's international break. Um, Scotland don't have a game. Their next qualifier is against Albania on the 8th of November in Skodar. 
Um, obviously, we know what happened there last time. But they are having a training camp. Shelly Kerr's brought a squad together. Um, both the same players, but she's, she's kept in players like Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Muir and Sam Kerr. Um, there's probably a couple of additions that I think are probably worth talking about as well, Campbell. Uh, first one's Martha Thomas. Um, she's definitely been the one that's um, created the most interest, I think it's probably fair to say. She, uh, she currently plays for West Ham. She was playing for Liard in the, the French League last season. She has been scouted. There was an interview with Shelley Kerr on the Scottish uh, National Team YouTube channel, so go have a look at that. Um, and she's been scouted for the last couple of years. She played in the collegiate system in the States. Um, Shelley Kerr has made, made aware to her contact um, and basically approached her during the summer. Um, she was playing for West Ham against Spurs at the weekend in the FAWSL at the Olympic Stadium. She had a couple of chances. Maybe obviously one of them she should have put away, but it's promising to see, Campbell, that given that we still have quite a small talent pool in terms of international players, that Shelley's able to go out and maybe find somebody that maybe we weren't expecting. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the same sort of names as you'd expect, and they've done so well in getting Scotland to the World Cup last year. And then obviously Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Muir being promoted from the other 19s, having got too old simply for that group, for that stage, as well as then bringing these other players in. With the training camp, there is no game, so it's just a great chance for Shelley. You see, obviously, Martha Thomas and I know Rachel Boyle is another one that we want to talk about, both deserving of it, obviously, in Shelley's mind to get a call up to go in Scotland going against just a chance for her to see how they got on and if they can make an impact then perhaps get another call up when it comes to competitive action again next month Yeah and let's talk about Rachel Boyle because um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rachel Boyle I think she's been really good for Hibs this season I think they really the feel good factor about this is she obviously took some time off to go go have a child. Fantastic news, and obviously that's all going very well for her. Um, since then, she's also got married to Martin Boyle of Hibs fame. But um, I think the biggest thing for me is when, when she first came back, um, you could tell she'd been away from the game for a while, but when you look at her now, all those things that made her such a good player and got her call-ups beforehand have all come back. And I even think she's maybe... She's obviously well, naturally more mature because as you get older in theory, you get more mature. But I just think she's a more rounded footballer. Personally, I'm really pleased to see her in the squad because I think she's been such a key part of that hip side over the last, well, basically since, especially since the, start of the uh, summer's come back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's been a sort of the vital cog really in the hips midfield that is not one of the players that obviously stands out going and getting goals and things like that, but she's, she's very crucial with them and is obviously very, very composed on the ball and it's good to see that eventually she's getting back into the game and now getting at the Scotland squad as well, it'll be good to see if she can obviously make an impact if she gets picked at all. But yeah, she's definitely been impressive at Hibs, and it's just it's good for her and it's good for Scotland as well that she is back at her, at her natural level of playing football and obviously try and make an impact on the national side as well now. Yeah, I think the other thing that she does is she helps bridge that gap a little bit in terms of the, the talent coming through, so the likes of Amy and Sam Kerr in that midfield, and maybe some of the more experienced players who are, probably, are still playing, obviously, at a high level, but but over the next couple of seasons may may drop off a little bit and I think Rachel Boyle was definitely a player that can certainly fit into that gap so I, I'm really pleased to see her get called up and I was really pleased to see young SWPL talent still getting that recognition um, so yeah I think it'll be a good, a good thing to see but uh, speaking more of young SWPL talent uh, Scotland and the 19s are playing in qualifying over in Poland just now for the next edition of the Euros uh, they are playing Bulgaria, Croatia and host Poland They've already played Bulgaria, Campbell, and they got a pretty good result out of the back of it. Yeah, comfortable 4-0 win, obviously. Expected against Bulgaria, but, but it was good to see, obviously, the goals. I had a look at highlights earlier on. 
Um, three SWPL players, uh, and Rebecca McGowan at St Johnston, um, Hannah Scott at Glasgow City, and Aishamon at Hearts, uh, getting on the score sheet as well as Brogan Moore at Oxford, not Reading. Um, scoring the, the goalkeeper, sort of flogged two of the goals, but Scotland winning control. And it's good to see that I mean, a good start, obviously, tougher games to come against Croatia and Poland, but it is good that the 19s have continued their good form after, obviously, the, the Euros they hosted in the summer, even with some of the more experienced players like Jamie Napier and Amy Muir. Of course, this appearing now. Um, Michaela McAloney at Spartans has been the captain there, and she seems to be making an impact on them as well as she has done, of course. Been very versatile for Spartans as well this season, so it's certainly good there, and hopefully these players will continue to play well for the 19s, and eventually, once you just talk about some of the older players retiring, they'll be able to make their impact as well uh, in the first team over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I would encourage anybody who wants to know more about up-and-coming Scottish women's football talent, as well as the university stuff we talked about earlier on, um, try and find the, the highlights of the Scotland under-19s if you can't get to games, because that is where the bulk of SWLP... WP, blah, 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 that is where the bulk of SWPL... Not in well, well, since one of us has tripped over the uh, anagrams, of the SWPL... Um, talent uh, plays, our, plays our game so for a win against Bulgaria probably not the strongest opposition in the group they play Croatia on Saturday the 5th of October and Poland on Tuesday the 8th of October but good start to qualifying and as as you said I'm sure the players that are still in that squad from the Euros who obviously had a wonderful experience in a home tournament will be looking to, to try and get to a tournament again but it will be incredibly tough there's, there's no doubt about that that wraps up for this week Campbell I'm not going to ask you if you want to talk about anything else because I think we've done this twice we've covered everything that we missed at the end last time um, if people want to get in contact with you via Twitter what's the best way of doing that yeah, it's at Campbell 6 underscore 2 I'm sure you'll put uh, along with the podcast on Twitter as well yeah and of course you can follow the podcast at leading the line um, keep your eye out on the Twitter feed of competition for some uh, semi-final tickets so keep an eye out for that and you can follow me at MFP Tasty but for now Campbell, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for doing it twice as well. Um, and thank you very much for listening. We'll speak again soon. <laughs>